Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. If you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to go to a couple places tonight. You can actually go over to Luke chapter 8. I'll be there in just a second. But I want to read. We're still in our series, uh, Open the Windows of Heaven. And, uh, and I'm going to teach tonight on something I've never taught on, or at least I've never taught on it from this perspective. And uh, y'all have to be patient with me with this because this is something I'm walking through too. And I'm learning to walk this thing out afresh. Uh, Some of these things I've known all of my Christian life, but I've never made, I've never put them into the practice that I'm putting them into right now and in my life. Because I believe that God is, is getting ready to bless the people of God because I believe that there is the, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And I believe the devil has taken from the church too long. And it's time for God's people to start prospering so that we could be a blessing to others. And that we can evangelize and touch this nation, this world, this region, and even our city. And, uh, and so, but Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. That there may be food in his house. How many are glad that you have food in the house of the Lord? Amen? I mean, thank God, right? I know some places that don't have very good food. But bring all the tithes and all that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, saying the Lord, if, if I, and, I if, and see if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. And I believe God is opening the windows of heaven over our lives. You know, I, uh, yesterday I, I was uh, pulled up to somewhere and got out. I was actually walking into the hospital. And, um, and, uh, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. God spoke to me, spoke to my heart. And He said, Shane, would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? It was just came to my spirit. It's just the Lord said, would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? And I said, Lord, I've been so blessed already. But yeah, I, I want to know how I, can, how I can increase the capacity in my faith where I can receive from you even more. And the Lord said, if you'll cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. If you'll cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And I thought to myself, my goodness, I got happy right there. And, uh, and to cultivate a, a lifestyle of thanksgiving, that's what it means. It means to cultivate. It means to practice it. Practice a lifestyle of thanksgiving. If you'll practice a lifestyle of thanksgiving, God will increase your capacity to receive. Because God wants to give to people that are cheerful and people that are thankful for what He does for them. Hallelujah. Praise God. I mean, sometimes we have to be thankful to God even when we don't have anything to be thankful for. We can't just be thankful when we feel a goosebump, right? Or when we, you know, feel the, the moment's appropriate. We have to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving, of being thankful to God, having the knowledge of His presence and His grace in our life. Praise God. Let's do that right now. Let's just thank God right now. Father, we thank You. We love You, God. We give thanks to You. 
for our health. We give thanks to you, Lord, for our lives, our families, our homes, God. We give thanks to you that we live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. We give thanks to you, God, that we're part of the church. We're part of your your. We're part of your people, God. God, we thank you. We thank you for the blessings in our lives. We thank you before it even happens, God. We thank you for salvation of our family and our children and our loved ones. Even before they've come to the Lord, we give thanks to you, God. And God, we cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And we pray, God, that you'll help us to learn how to receive with thanksgiving. And we do this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. And uh, hallelujah, praise God. We're thankful tonight, amen? A thankful people. You know, uh, we're going we're gonna to look at something tonight. You know, um, there should never be an offering taken without a purpose. Offering should never be taken without a purpose. And because uh, the Bible says, let him that gives, give as he purposes in his heart. And so when we give, we should always give toward a purpose. There should be a purpose behind what we give. We should know why we're, we're giving, why we're sowing, why we're, why we're participating in an offering, or why we're participating in the generosity that God has asked us to be a part of. And so understanding that, that we give out of the purpose of our heart. Know this, God is working all the time. How many know God is not an absentee father? How many thankful that we don't have an absentee father? And he, he works and he speaks all the time. And a lot of people don't know him, don't know how even to hear him. And a lot of people don't want to hear him. God is speaking. God wants to speak all the time. God is, is working and he, he wants us to find, uh, he has a plan for us. The plan that he has for you and I, we can't say that flippantly. We must understand that there is a divine purpose in our lives. That God has a divine plan for our lives, for your life and my life. And understand that that plan is a divine plan. God's plan for your life is bigger than your past. How many are thankful your purpose is bigger than your past? And uh, it's, bigger, it's bigger than your past. He's always working toward putting you and arranging you to be in the perfect plan. And it's the very best that heaven has for you. God is always working and arranging and moving things and working things out and working behind the scenes in your life, putting things in place so that he can position you for the, for the perfect purpose that he has in your life. He's arranging you so that the perfect plan of God can be played out in your life and his very best for you and heaven here on earth for you can be seen. And so I've realized this over the years, over the years, what I've realized is that there are times I was way off when I thought I was way off from God's plan. There are times when I felt like I was just way off on God's plan. Come to find out, I wasn't as far off as I thought I was. Because God has a way of working in our lives in ways sometimes we don't see that He's working or we don't even realize that what's happening is part of the plan that He's using to work in our lives. And you end up finding out, well, I'm not as far off of God's plan as I thought that I was. But you don't have to be far off... Um, 
But you, you don't have to be far off to foul it all up. I mean, you don't have to be too far off God's plan to foul it up. I mean, I've, I've made some major mistakes in my life before, and, and it has shot me off course of God's plan for my life. And, you know, and the truth is, is that uh, my dad used to say, son, you could tear up a BB. <laughs> and I thought, what in the world? I mean, where, what kind of hillbilly saying is that? You know, he used to say that all the time. Son, you could tear up a BB. And uh, of course, come to find out later that a BB is made of solid metal. <laughs> you know, it's, it's something that's really indestructible. <laughs> but now, I get the, now that I get the picture, but now that I've lived out underneath that confession, I've moved on to better things. <laughs> so, but the truth was, I probably could tear a BB up. He, he probably was telling the truth. Um, we see God has a plan. And how do I get in it? And how, how do I activate it in my life? You know, what do I do next? What is my next step? How do I find it? How do I get into it? How do I move into it? Into God's plan? Well, as I got to looking at this, I thought I saw something that I'd never seen. I didn't realize how attached the plan of God was in our lives to God opening the windows of heaven in our life. Part of our, part of our ability to sow and reap has a lot to do with the plan that God has for our life. And, uh, and the truth is, when He opens the windows of heaven over our life, it's not just that He can bring a blessing into our lives, which He does, but also when you live under an open heaven, when the windows of heaven are open under our li- over our lives, God's perfect will will begin to flow through your life and through my life. Amen. Y'all hearing me tonight? I'm telling you, you will find God's plan under an open heaven. Under the blessing of God. It's not just money. Sometimes it's the ordering of our footsteps. It's the ordering of our lives. Sometimes living under an open heaven and being generous and giving and living a life that's under the the biblical uh, definition of prosperity and blessing in our life. Not only do we have a good health, not only are we blessed financially, not only do we find blessings, but there just seems to be a way that God orders our steps and our lives and we find ourselves walking our lives out just as God had intended. Hallelujah. Get under an open heaven, you'll find the will of God. Get under an open heaven and God will order your steps and order your way. And you'll know and you'll hear from God. And so I want us to look at something tonight. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And I I want you to see Jesus does something here in Luke 8 that I'd never seen before. I want you to see and look at this, how Jesus ties together sowing and reaping, the sowing and reaping principle of giving and receiving, how he ties it to the plan of God for our lives. In other words, sowing and reaping, opening the windows of heaven, honoring God with our our tithes and offerings, honoring God with our faithfulness 
and not allowing God to be robbed in our life, what it does is it opens the windows of heaven. But the plan of God for your life is also tied to the very principle of sowing and reaping. And uh, I had never seen that before, but I, I, I'm going to show you something in Scripture tonight that I had not seen before. Let's begin to look, we'll work, look at Luke chapter 8 and beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses of Scripture to you, and then we're going to get right into, into this. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Now it came to pass afterwards that he went through every city, every village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Now, he went about out through every city, every village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Now, some translations, some of your translations may say the key, uh, uh, preaching and showing, showing, showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. That word showing or bringing can either word can be used uh, or, or intermingled. Preaching and showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. These folks went every, went to, listen, verse 2, it says, And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and, jo- and Joanna, the wife of, of Cusa, Herod Stewart and Susanna and many others, say many others, who provided for him from their what? From their substance. What was their substance? Their substance was their giving from what they had. They provided for him. They helped. In other words, what they do? They helped finance this mission trip. <laughs> they helped support the mission trip. They, 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 were, they were generous. They were giving. They came along to support. They were with Jesus on this. They were with Him as He went about preaching and as He went about showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. That is interesting here that He was preaching and, and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. How, how is He showing and bringing? That's an interesting word there. And uh, as I begin to study that and figure out what, what the Greek word and what that means there, uh, you know, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting thing because we see that Jesus was traveling with these three prominent women. There was Mary Magdalene, Magla, Maglinda, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, who was in Herod's house, Stuart, Susanna, and many others. Susanna... Uh, we don't know much about her, but we do know this. Some believe that she is someone who Jesus raised from the dead. That she was uh, uh, someone along the way that Jesus raised from the dead. Church history says that she's somebody that raised from the dead. And so there were these three prominent women. There was the twelve, and then there were many others that were with them. So what was happening, there was this manifestation of the Spirit. There were miracles that were taking place that were happening. But bringing and showing is an interesting word. It means, it means they were demonstrating and communicating. So Jesus was preaching. He was heralding. He was, he, was, he was preaching the gospel. He was crying out. But there also was this bringing and showing. And, and, and in the context of the scripture, what happened was Jesus was preaching 
And then he was bringing up these three women and others that were with him, and they were, they were testifying. They were testifying to what God had done in their life and what they had seen God do. They were showing, they were demonstrating the power of God in their life. Jesus was preaching it, and then he was demonstrating it with the testimony of these that were, that were coming up and talking, and miracles would begin to flow, and miracles were happening. And Jesus was not, was not the only one doing them. And uh, by himself, the 12 was with him, and uh, we know that they too were casting out devils. They were laying hands on the sick. Matter of fact, this same group is a part of the 70 others that he appointed later to go out into the Jordan Valley, this same group. And you remember when they sent the 70 out two by two, they sent them out and they began to see miracles happening all over the region. Demons were subject to them. But what we see here is we see these uh, disciples and we see these others and we see they're committed to Jesus. They're committed to Jesus. We see their commitment to Jesus. They're committed, they're ministering to Him, and they're ministering to the people. Because they're ministering to Him, how are they ministering to Jesus? Through their substance. And they're ministering to the people also. So they're giving to Jesus, they're sowing to Jesus, and they're also sowing into the people. And so they're, 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 they're committed into what is being done, and because of that, His anointing is on them to do what they're doing at His command. So the anointing that's on Jesus is also on them. The anointing that's on Jesus is also on them. How many are thankful that the anointing that was on Jesus can also be on us? Hallelujah. That same anointing. Woo! I mean, that's good stuff. I mean... My God, you know, what I've learned in studying the New Testament, and we all know that the Gospels, we have uh, the Gospels written, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, the Gospel writers, and they all write differently. Luke is, is, is the most interesting of them all, because many scholars say that Luke writes from, uh, he writes from a documentary style our perspective for the king. In other words, he writes from a documentary style. I don't know if you, you like documentaries. I like documentaries. Documentaries uh, get behind the story. They get into the story deeper than what just being told what happened. The other disciples were those that wrote by experience. Not that Luke didn't, he did. But the other disciples wrote out of experience. They wrote what they experienced. But Luke wrote, he, he, he wrote in a sense to where he would say things like, uh, for instance, he wouldn't just say, uh, Jesus healed a leper. Jesus, Luke would describe and give a diagnosis. He'd say there was a, a man who was full of leprosy and Jesus healed him. In other words, he gave you the diagnosis. He gave you the documentary version. He gave you the versions that was, that was much you know, deeper and, and imparted. And so they wrote differently. The other men wrote from personal experiences. And so the inf information that he gives, Luke gives, is very valuable because when we look for the plan of God in our lives, 
There's one scripture that comes to mind. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. To seek, to knock, uh, you know, to ask, to search, you know, uh, first the kingdom of God and His plan for, us, for our lives. And so we're, we search, and Jesus here begins to teach. And so we see this introduction, and then Jesus in verse 4 begins to teach. And this is what it tells us. It says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to Him from every city, He spoke by a parable. He began to speak by a parable. And, and let's, just, let's just read the parable so you have context. I don't have time to get into the parable tonight because there's something else I want to show you. But Jesus, in this context, begins to speak a parable. He said, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock as soon as it sprung up, and it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on the ground, sprang up, yielded a crop of a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, now I want you to see this, it said, and he cried. In other words, he cried out. And this is interesting. He cries out, and this is interesting what he says. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Jesus tells this parable, and when he gets to the end of it, he's preaching, and he cries out. And he says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. It's just like that. And, and I thought to myself, I thought, man, that is, that, is, that is interesting. Why does he say that? He that hath an ear, let him hear. And uh, he's given instruction here. And remember Jesus said this. He said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only say what I hear my father say. Jesus said, the Father dwells in me, and, and through me, he does, he does His works through me. Matter of fact, the Scripture is John 14, 10, where it says, Jesus said this, He said, I am, I am the Father, I'm, I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Words I speak are not of my own, but my Father who lives in me, and does His work through me. That's the process. Jesus says, let him that hear, let him hear. In other words, Jesus is trying to say, listen, open your ears that you may hear what the Father is saying. Jesus said, I only say what the Father says. And I say what the Father says because I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. And I only say what the Father says to say. And, and by that, the Father who lives in me does His work through me. How many know that the work of the Lord is done through us? But as we draw close to God and begin to listen and hear His voice, when He speaks to us, He speaks to us because we've drawn near to Him and He's in us. And if we're close to Him and He's close to us, He will begin to speak to us and we will begin to say what the Father tells us to say. Right? We begin to proclaim and preach and testify what the Father says. Think about this. Those who, 
Those who were showing, Jesus was preaching, and all of those that got up and gave testimony, and the disciples, as they shared and as they, they testified, out of their relationship with God and being close to Him, He filled their lips with His voice. And they began to speak, and as they spoke, God began to do the work through them. And so, Jesus is saying, I only say what I hear the Father say. The first thing that I need to do in the process of finding God's plan is to hear His voice. Now, some people don't want to hear His voice. You know, um, some people don't want to hear His voice. But the first thing we do is we need to hear. We need to hear what? Where am I supposed to be? And what am I supposed to be doing? Right? If we hear the voice of God, if we draw close to Jesus and draw close to God, and we're in God, and God is in us, and we hear, we listen and hear His voice and only say what He tells us to say, and we draw close to Him and we hear Him, and then the Bible says that He, he will do His work through us. And we find out His plan. What's, what's His plan? You can't hear if you don't listen. And you're not listening unless you believe He's speaking. Unless you believe, you will hear it. You have to believe that God speaks. You have to believe that you'll hear it. You have to believe that He's saying it, that He's speaking it. You have to believe, and, and you can't hear if you don't listen. Jesus is saying, let him that hath an ear, let him hear. Let him hear what I'm telling you. He begins this parable of the sower and the seed, and he comes to the end of the parable. And he says to them, he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. In other words, what I'm about to tell you is important. What I'm about to tell you is key to what I've just said and what I've been saying. And what I'm talking about tonight is God opening the windows of heaven that you may understand his plan for your life. That you'll understand his purpose and his plan that he has for you and that he has for me. And so in verse 8, but others fell, or verse 9, beginning in verse 9, then his disciples asked him saying, what, Lord, what does this parable mean? What does this mean? He gives this parable of the seed and the sower. And the disciples turn and they say to him, what does this mean? And what did Jesus do? What we see here is Jesus is saying, he that hath an ear, let him hear what I'm about to say. He's about to give you the first point of his sermon. <laughs> and the first point is found in verse 10. It's found in verse 10. He says this. Listen to what he says. He, and he said to you, to you. Now who's he talking to? Who's the you? Who's the you is he talking to? It is to you. It is to you. It has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables. In other words, Jesus said to you, to you it is to be given to know the mysteries of God. Now that's a powerful thing. The mysteries of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, he that hath an ear, let him hear. They're saying, well, what does this parable mean? Jesus says, I want to remind you, it's been given unto you 
to know the mysteries of God, to know God's plan, to know God's will, to have understanding. See, what's happening here is he's tied in with the sowing and reaping of the harvest principle of God. He's talking about sowing and reaping, but in that sowing and reaping, he's tied in with the principle of knowing the will of God. This parable to you is a mystery, but I, it's, it's a mystery to you to know. I'm about ready to open this thing up to you. You're about to know it and understand it. And if you'll know it and understand it, you will have a revelation of God's mystery which will lead you to my plan for your life. You've been given to know. I mean, think about that powerful word. Jesus says you've been given to know. Let me just say this to you. You have been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Isn't that powerful? As a believer, think about that for a moment. I said you. You have been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Whoo! That's good stuff. And Jesus is saying it. So you know what that tells me? It tells me that heaven backs it. His name is behind it. His power is behind it. His word is behind it. And his blood is behind it. That's how powerful it is. Jesus said, in me, you will know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Woo! Come on. <laughs> Jesus said, I just told you a parable. You, you think it's a parable for them, but I'm telling you, it's a parable for you. That inside it, you will understand the principles of the kingdom of God. My goodness. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus goes out and he gives a parable. And after the parable, the disciples come back and said, Lord, what did, what did those parables mean? Won't you reveal unto us what they mean? And Jesus said, the parable was not for them to know, but for you to know. In other words, in order to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, you first have to be a disciple. If you're a disciple, I'll reveal them to you. But if you're just part of the crowd, if you're just part of the crew, if you're just part of the multitude and a gang that just comes and shows up and hangs out, well, the mysteries of the kingdom may not come your way. But if you're a disciple and you say, I'm in God and God's in me, and I only say what I hear the Father say, and when I say and do what the Father tells me to do, He works in me and through me, and I can begin to understand the principles of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You say, well, what are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you this. I'm telling you that sowing and reaping is not just about money. It's about finding the will of God for your life. It's about being a disciple. Learning to sow and reap is learning to obey God and hear His voice and do what He asks you to do and do it on command and don't waver one minute at it. Then you'll begin to know the mysteries of the kingdom. What is that mystery? His perfect will for your life. Hallelujah. Woo. <laughs> oh my gosh. Woo. <laughs> I love. Woo. Oh my, y'all got me stirred and I can't even focus. 
He said to you, it has been given to know. I love that word know. The word know, we think it has to do with knowledge. It's not knowledge. It's perceived revelation is what the word means. <laughs> it means it means an understanding that comes out of acquaintance or intimacy. Adam knew Eve. What did that mean? It means that they conceived. They, they joined themselves together in intercourse. They, they, they come together. That's the same word. To draw with intimacy, to know. It is given unto you to know the mysteries. How is that known? Through intimacy. It's known through acquaintance. Perceived revelation that comes when you draw close to God. All of a sudden there's an intimacy and you begin to know what God is saying and what God is doing in your life. Most people sit out there and say, well, you know, okay, sirrah, sirrah. Whatever will be, will be. No, God's saying, listen, that's on you. It's up to us. When He says, to you it's been given to know. In other words, it's on us. It's on you. You want to know God's plan? Draw closer to Him. You want to know His perfect plan for your life? You want Him to begin to re-reveal some of the, the, the mysteries that you've wondered about in your purpose, in your life, in your calling, and who you are? Draw close to Him. Become intimate with the Father. And He'll begin to speak to you. It's up to us to know. But he ties this to, to something, to the sowing and reaping principle of heaven. Now, I'm going to show you something real cool. Y'all want to see something really cool? It says, the, given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. The mysteries of the kingdom of God, which mean the wholeness. It means, it means the whole revelation of the kingdom of God. It means the whole revelation. Now, I got into study and I got into a word study and I didn't mean to, but I happened to get caught up in it. And those of you that are studiers, sometimes I get off track and I just go rabbit hunting for something. But I found something. How I many know sometimes every, every once in a while, you know, Every squirrel, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. And, and so I went searching. Here's what I found out. Luke uses the word kingdom of God many times in his writings. Matthew uses the word kingdom of heaven. All through Matthew, you'll see him use the phrase kingdom of heaven. Well, and, and Luke uses the term kingdom of God. I thought, well, why is that? Which is it? Is it the kingdom of heaven or is it the kingdom of God? And, and I thought, well, what's the difference? Guess what? You know what the difference is? There isn't a difference. <laughs> They're the same. <laughs> but here's, here's the meaning of the phrase kingdom of God. The phrase kingdom of heaven refers to it's, it's futuristic. It's the phrase, the kingdom of heaven uh, is coming. In other words, it's futuristic. It talks about the coming kingdom that's coming. Jesus is coming to establish His kingdom. His kingdom is coming to be established. It has a futuristic tense to it. But the kingdom of God is not a futuristic tense. It is a present tense. It is now. It means God is king 
and God always will be king. It means the kingdom of God exists now. It doesn't mean it's coming. It means it exists right now. I said right now the kingdom of God exists. His reign exists right now. The power of God exists right now. His kingdom is available to us through His grace right now. This moment, we have access to everything that is a part and defined in the kingdom of God. Everything that has to do with His ruling and reigning on this earth is access to us right now. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Huh? It's not coming. It's not coming. It's here. I said the kingdom of God is here. And God says it has been given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. In other words, what are the mysteries of the kingdom of God? It's the, it's the inside scoop to his reigning and his kingship and his lordship and his power and his anointing. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> My goodness. Oh, Jesus, help me. I mean, I'm feeling good. The whole kingdom of God is at our disposal. If we will learn to understand, if a man sows a seed in the ground, if we understand the principles of reaping and sowing, if you want to know something, you sow something. If you want to grow something, you sow something. Right? In other words, he's tying in reaping and sowing with the kingdom of God, understanding that, that the mysteries of the kingdom are connected and tied in to sowing and reaping. If you sow, you will reap. If you sow, you will reap. You will reap an understanding of the kingdom of God. You'll, you'll reap a, a, a revelation of the kingdom of God. What you sow, you will reap. You'll have understanding. You'll get to know His kingdom. And heaven will open up under you. Sowing and reaping is not just about getting money. I'm telling you, it's about getting knowledge and revelation of the understanding of His kingdom and who He is and how He reigns. Huh? You with me tonight? Are y'all with me? Lord, I'm going to sow $5 because I need 50. No. I'm going to sow $5 because I need an idea and an invention and know how to start a business that's not going to give me $5, but going to give me $50,000. Oh my gosh. Man, if you had a seed, if you have a seed, you know what to do with it. <laughs> I mean, God's plan is perfect. I, I thought about this, and this is probably not much related to the message, but it just was one of those random thoughts that came to my mind. Y'all remember Saul of Tarshish? He was on his way to where? Damascus, right? He was on his way to Damascus, and God interrupted his trip, didn't he? And he was on his way to Damascus and blinded him, and that was his last day as Saul. <laughs> That was his last day of Saul. Now listen, God says to him, he's blinded him, he says, Saul, get up and go where? Where'd he tell him to go? He gave him instruction, where'd he say? Come on, you Bible people. How long has it been since you've been in 
vacation Bible school? Huh? Where did God, where was the instruction for, for Saul to go after Jesus said, get up and go, go where? He gave him instruction to go where? He told him to go to Damascus. <laughs> I mean, here Saul thought he was headed to Damascus and that his arrival there was to gather Christians and to cause harm to the kingdom of God. But in the mystery of God's plan, God already had a plan for him in Damascus. It shows that God plans out our lives. He said, arise and go to Damascus and there you will meet a man. Right? That's exactly what he said. Part of God's plan, part of God's, you know, part of God's, uh, uh, you know, mystery in how he works in our lives. I mean, Saul's life was ending that day. The old Saul was either going to die and be born again, or the old Saul was going to die completely. <laughs> I believe he would have died right there had he not surrendered to Jesus for persecuting Jesus. The persecution of Jesus was over. And, uh, and so, but the Bible says this, it says, so th- Jesus tells this parable and the Bible says that they had been ministering to him with their sustenance. They had been sowing into Jesus' life and his ministry. And so Jesus in turn tells the parable and he turns to his disciples and those many that were with him along with the three women that was with him and he says to them, it is, it is, it is to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. See, what positioned them for that? What positioned them for Jesus all of a sudden to open up this revelation to them? What positioned them was the fact that they were already sowing their sustenance into Jesus' life. They were already sowing. They were sowing into the work. They were sowing into the miracles. They were sowing into the kingdom. They were sowing into what God was doing. And Jesus said, now I'm about to reveal to you your purpose and your destiny. Mm. Little did they know. To minister to him with their substance, they joined themselves to him. They began to obey the Lord of the harvest. Who's the Lord of the harvest? Jesus. They sow according to his direction. If you're obedient ministers to him, With your substance, listen, if you're obedient to God with your substance, if you're obedient to sow when He says sow and to give when He says give, He has obligated Himself to you. God has obligated Himself to you. You say, well, I'm not sure that's true. I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Stay with me. Stay with me. They were giving his substance. They were sowing. He gave us the parable of sowing. He says, I'm about to reveal to you the mysteries of the kingdom. And they had been doing the work of the Lord. They had been drawing close to Jesus. As they drew close to Jesus, they began to hear his voice. As they heard his voice, he began to speak to them. And God began to work through them with miracles. 
Just as the Father worked through Jesus. And so, here in John 14, let's go down to verse 10. John 14 and verse 10, it says, Do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the work. Hallelujah. Verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Verse 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. That's a promise to us. That's an obligation that in our obedience, as we draw close to the Father, he draw close to us. As we obey him, we do what he says do. If you say, and what God's saying is, if you say what I say, tell you to say, do what I say do, the Father that is in you will do the work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, here in John 14, John talks of the promise of another one that's going to come, the Holy Spirit that's going to come. And we know that He has come, right? The Holy Spirit has come. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, I want you to see this. The Holy Spirit, just as Jesus said, I do what the Father says do, the Holy Spirit too says what the the Son says to do. John 16 and verse 13. Let's look at that. Beginning in verse 13, it says, However... When He, the Spirit of truth, has come. Has He not come? He's here, right? He is here. The Holy Spirit is here. The promise of the Holy Spirit has come. We've received the promise of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. And He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says that He will guide you into all truth. He will speak what He hears Jesus say to speak. In other words, if you'll hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, if you'll allow Him to guide you, you will know and understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. You will know You'll know His purpose in your life. You'll know what He has for you. I I read that and I thought, Lord Jesus. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I was like, Lord, He will guide you in all truth and He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you the things that come. Listen. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you the deep things of God, the mysteries of the kingdom. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants you to come under the authority. And I thought that I saw that. I said, Lord, I want to hear and I want to see everything God is doing. I said, God, open these clogged, stubborn ears. Open my ears right now. (laughs) 
Open my ears, Lord, that I may hear. Open my ears, that I may have the blessing. Matthew 13, open my eyes, Lord. Open my ears to hear what you're saying in this hour. And then verse 14, he says, And he will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will declare it to you. He will show, the word show to, or to, uh, to, re, to, re, to re, uh, how do you say, make known to you, or make it reported unto you. And so, he says that twice. He says it in the latter part of verse, uh, in verse 14 to, uh, verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I say, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Now, here's the, here's the awesome part of that verse. In the Greek, that is what's called the aorist or passive tense. And this is what it means. When it means to rehearse to you. It means to rehearse. It means to say over and over and over and over again. It means that God is just not going to speak to you and tell you and reveal a revelation to you that that revelation is going to be something that is going to be constantly rehearsed in your mind. Constantly spoken to you. Constantly over and over again, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you, is going to speak to you, give you revelation of something that you may know the mysteries of God. How many are thankful the Holy Spirit just doesn't tell us once that He constantly reminds us? The plan is revealed. The fact that He says He guides you, the plan is revealed. Revelation is revealed, made known to us. In other words, the curtain is drawn back. The plan of the mysteries of God has been given to us to know. But if we just read that chapter back in Luke 8, in Luke 8 we miss it. We miss the fact that the parables of reaping and sowing play a part in what Jesus is saying. We miss the fact that they had given to Him from their sustenance. It started with them sowing. It started with them sowing and it ended with Him revealing unto them, letting them know that the mysteries of the kingdom can be known unto them, can be seen by them and from them and given to them to know. And given to us to know tonight that if God opens the windows of heaven over your life, we know that the sowing and reaping that we do, giving to the kingdom, it's not just going to be the reaping of financial blessing. But there'll be a revelation of His kingdom that you have not seen before or that you have not known before. He'll give you an understanding. There'll be a leading. There'll be a guiding. Sometimes, I mean, I have sowed before. I have sowed seeds before for direction for my life. I've sown seeds to know, to God, I've got to know what your voice is saying. And so, God, I give you my substance. I give you a part of, of sowing because I've got to know your plan. 
I've got to know how you're leading us and directing us, God. Hallelujah. Woo! God is good. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. We, uh, I'm going to share, you, share this revealing unto you the mysteries of the kingdom story. We, uh, when we were pastoring in Arkansas and we had left Arkansas, we, uh, we had left abruptly. We packed up our stuff and uh, all of our furniture and everything we owned we had to put in storage because we didn't have the money to, to haul it to where we were going. So we put it in storage. And, uh, and all we had was our clothes and the kids. And really when we left there, the morning we pulled out, we had no destination. We had, we had nowhere to, to live. We didn't know where we were going. We didn't have another church to go to. We didn't have, um, we hadn't, you know, we didn't really have family that we could go stay with, at least on my side. There just was, really wasn't any place to go. So we said, well, we're going to take off and we're going to go and we're going to drive and we're going to believe God is going to speak to us about what to do and where to go. And, uh, a couple days before, I had been given my last paycheck from the church, and, and um, they had given me a little severance, not much. It was just a, really, I called it blood money, but it was a little bit of money to help. <laughs> and uh, after they throw bricks at you and rocks at you and they try to stone you, then they want to, never mind. <laughs> then, they, then they feel guilty and they want to give you a little money. You know, here, we're sorry we almost killed you, but here, take this and... And uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need, I need God's ER for, for that. <laughs> need to pull my forgiveness prayer out, Michelle, and read through it. And, uh, but a couple days before, they had given us a paycheck, and, and I had deposited. And there was a, uh, there was a man that was in the church. He had... Uh, he had had a, he was on the, a kidney transplant list, but God healed him. God healed him and healed his kidney, and they took him off the kidney transplant list because God healed him. We had a healing service and uh, prayed for him. He was, I'm telling y'all, he was as green as that plant. I mean, he looked like the Green Lantern from, you know, Marvel or whatever it is. And uh, that's how green he was. That's how bad his kidneys were. And, uh, and God healed him. And within hours, his skin came back to olive color again. God healed his, healed his, he didn't even need a kidney transplant. Paul, I mean, he didn't even need a transplant. And the doctors couldn't believe it, they took him off the list. And, uh, but he had had, uh, he had some other medical issues. And so, they were doing a benefit for him. And, uh, and so... I thought, Lord, you know what? I'm just going to sow into him. I'm going to sow into his healing because, God, we have no idea where we're going, where we're going to live, what we're going to do, where we're going to be. And so we had given a small amount into his, into his benefit fund for his other health issues. And, you know, we took off off the road. And uh, me and Laura had prayed and we said, well, we were traveling uh, from uh, South Arkansas and we were traveling up 
Mississippi off Highway 55. I don't know if you're familiar with Highway 55. It runs through Tunica and all of that and into Tennessee and Memphis and all that. So we had, we had prayed and we said, when we got to Memphis, or when we got to Nashville, I-40, when we got to I-40 in Nashville, we said we were going to make a decision whether we go north or whether we go east. If we go north, we have no idea where we're staying. We're just going to go back home. If we go east, we're going to go uh, and stay with Laura's parents. Her father was, had ALS. He was sick, and, and you know, Laura wanted to be near him. And uh, he had been, just been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. And so we prayed. We said, God, what do you, we need to hear from you. We need to hear your voice. We need to hear your voice. And just, I'm telling you, just as 15 miles, I'm telling you, outside of Nashville, I get a phone call, and it's from a pastor who is in the city her dad lives in. And he said, hey, he said, he said hey, Shane. He said, this is, this is Kevin, Kevin Millfield. I said, hey, Kevin, how you doing? He said, man, it's been a long time. I said, yeah, a long time. He said, I heard that you all are moving back this way. And I said, well, we're actually on the road, but we hadn't made the decision yet. He said, oh, okay. He said, well, I want you to know that if you're headed this way, I'd like to see you. He said, I'd like to bless you. And if you need any help with getting established or set up, let me know. We want to help you. And, uh, and I hung up the phone and I thought, God, that was you. <laughs> Leading, guiding, and directing, right? I mean, would you all take it that way? I mean, but that's how God leads and directs. What's he doing? He's making known the mysteries of the kingdom of God. He's revealing them. As you go, as you draw close to Jesus, Jesus speaks to you. He speaks to your heart and He works through you. And it was, it was the Lord. It was what God had directed us to do. Pastor Adam, if you come, is what the Lord was directing us to do. And it was a God thing. It was a God thing. I didn't think so at the time. <laughs> but it was a God thing. Thank you, Lord. To you, to you. I said to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> to be made known the mysteries of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now, you all. It's here now. The mysteries are now. His reign is now. He's reigning now. We have dominion now. We have the right as believers. And when we walk in obedience... Heaven opens up over top of us and pours out on us. And it's not just money, but it's leading us, it's directing us, it's guiding us, healing us. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.